Hey, it's episode 330. Have you got too many feelings? Do you justify too many unhelpful and unhealthy things because of the way you feel? Maybe it's not going to the gym. Maybe it's having wine the fourth night in a row. Maybe it's not putting boundaries in place with certain people. Today, I want you to get out of your feels and into your head. Yes, that's right, into your head to take control of your patterns, habits, and routines and not be derailed by what might show up as your complicated, heavy heart, at least for today. Oh, and I've got a simple trick at the very end that you'll be able to use to solve this problem any day that you like. So let's dive into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friend? What is going on? Welcome back to another episode of the show. And this episode of the show might actually kind of contradict some of the stuff you've heard me talk about before. And you'd be like, what is Maddie talking about? Has he changed? Well, maybe he has. Growth is hitting all of us, I would hope so. <laughs> anyway, first thing in 2024, it is my mission to coach 500 people to get control of their sugar cravings and sugar binges so they can stop yo-yo dieting, stop obsessing about food, and finally create a body that they feel confident being in. And the fact that I am an emotional eating coach and work with people a lot on their mindset and their psychology and the way that they think about food and their body and themselves is the reason that you might think today's episode is a little bit like, what are you talking about, Maddie? But let me explain. So emotionalizing that's right, the word emotionalizing, everything is something that I've done quite well myself, but it's actually something that I encourage some of my clients to do and a lot of my clients to do because we need to become emotionally literate to understand what's going on with our bodies and our psychology and our behavior because the reason people find it so difficult to change their habits or change their behavior is because they haven't spent enough time trying to figure out why the habit exists. And the answer can simply be convenience and the fact that marketing and advertising has programmed you to behave in a certain way. But there was once upon a time where you did not do that thing, right? Where that behavior, that cycle, that pattern, it didn't exist. And then something happened or changed and now you do it. And now it's so deeply embedded in your, your brain that you just continue to do it without thinking. And when I talk to a lot of people and, and many people that inquire about you know, coming into my world, they sort of don't really know why they do what they do. And that's one of the questions that I ask is like, why do you do that? And they're like, I don't know, it's just a habit. You know, I just kind of do it. And so encouraging people to be emotionally literate and aware is something that I'm a big fan of. I, I encourage all my clients to go deep, peel the onion, find the meaning, find the definition, go deeper, go deeper, go to the next layer, right? However, however, we can go through a short period or a very long period of stunting our progress by over-emotionalizing everything. Because the catch is, and I've been here before, and sometimes I slip into this myself, is giving too much meaning, giving too much meaning and power to our thoughts and more importantly, our feelings, right? So when we're unable to do something or we're stuck in a cycle, just because we can understand what's going on doesn't mean that it's going to change. Because if we're both a person that emotionally understands ourselves, but we're equally somebody that's kind and empathetic, we might nurture our self-awareness right through the terrible habit, right? We'll say, hey, Maddie, it's totally okay. You know why you're eating chocolate. That makes you a really mature, adjusted person because you understand your own psychology. Good on you, Maddie. But 
I'm still doing it. It's like I'm giving myself permission to misbehave or to break the rules or to eat the thing just simply because I have the emotional awareness of why it's happening. So this over-emotionalization of things can lead to us being stuck in the exact thing that we came to be aware of that is causing the health problem that we've got, right? So it's like, why do I eat chocolate? I don't really know. Go through the program, go through some work, do some deep stuff, and then know why you're eating the chocolate, but continue eating it because now you're empathetically allowing yourself to express yourself and say, it's okay, that dark, deep, scary part of you that needs the chocolate, it needs the chocolate, that's okay, you can eat the chocolate. Have you ever been in this situation, this emotionalization of everything and being like, oh, the feelings and the, the, the sadness and the depression and the loneliness and the darkness, it's okay to eat the chocolate because I can identify these, okay? And so this is where I, for a change, I'm going to say, you need to introduce your head more than your heart because you can peel that emotional onion of meaning and have that meaning have control over you by empathetically allowing it to exist. You can peel that onion forever. You can go so deep within yourself that you can become catatonic. <laughs> and that's, a, I'm being sarcastic there. But sometimes you can. Sometimes you can get so deep in giving things meaning. And remember, remember, use your head. You're a human. The reason things have meaning is because you decided that things mean stuff, right? When really, it's just stuff, you know? And the reason that I'm, I'm saying that is because if we if subtract the meaning and we take some control over ourself for a moment, with our head and not our heart, then we can just do what we need to do. And the way that I do this for myself, because I'm an emotional eating coach, I've got my own psychologist, I collaborate with psychologists, I talk with other emotional eating coaches and sugar addiction coaches and addiction experts. And so my whole world is heavy in emotional analysis and psychological understanding. And so for me personally, I get stuck in this world too of over-understanding or empathetically understanding to the point where there's detrimental outcomes for myself, right? And so there's a simple way to get yourself out of this emotionalization sort of pitfall that can happen. It doesn't happen to everybody, but it can happen from time to time, right? Is that there's so much understanding that you're letting yourself down or self-sabotaging. This is another way that self-sabotage can creep in. Before you were self-sabotaging, you had no idea why. Now you have an idea why and you're still doing it because you're empathetic and that's okay. Or is it? right? This simple little thing helps me and I want to share it with you because I give it to clients all the time. And I shared it in my community this week and somebody said, hey, I love how simple that is, right? So to pull yourself out of this emotional darkness and, and sort of complex convoluted set of layers of ideas and toxic onion that you've got going on in your brain, all you have to do so that you don't stay stuck is to say, what would a healthy person do? What would a healthy person do right now? And you can ask yourself that when you're lying in bed and you can't get yourself out. If you're in the middle of a binge, what would a healthy person do? And that is healthy of body, mind, and spirit, not just somebody that's got abs and has a fancy Instagram account. I mean, what would a, an emotionally healthy person do? How would they make a better decision right now? How would they show up for themselves? Would they put the chocolate down? Would they walk out and change their location and change their environment, right? Would they go somewhere else? Would they call a friend? Would they ask for help? Yes, they would. A healthy person would do that. So this using our head pulls us out of our heart a little bit and moves us into physical action because we need to move our body through space and time and act and engage with others or engage with the tools and resources that we've got around us to make change. And that might be simply just you getting out of bed and going to the weights. That's one that I do all the time. Lying in bed, I might be like, oh, 
And then I start thinking, give yourself permission, Maddie. You work really hard. You're a little bit sore from yesterday's workout. And so I'm emotionalizing, emotionalizing, emotionalizing with all of that empathy. And self-empathy is a really good thing. Don't think that I'm here being David Goggins saying that you're a weak bitch and that you should just suffer through every ounce of pain that you might ever, ever find yourself in. I'm not saying that at all. Being self-empathetic is really important and it's very important to be able to get your headspace to a place where you can actually nurture yourself through struggle. But sometimes we use that concept as self-sabotage and we stay in this world of emotionalization. So this is the time where I'm saying use your head, pull yourself out of that self-empathy and move it to self-empowerment, okay? What would a healthy person do? What would a healthy person do? And that's my question to you. What are you going to do? Use this tool when you're stuck in your thoughts and you're stuck in your feelings, okay? Because it's going to pull you out. And you might even need to visualize a healthy person. And I hear my clients say all the time that they use the, the idea, what would Maddie do? And you can use what would Maddie do? Or it could be what would Sean Stevenson do? Or what would whoever you look up to do? What would Mel Robbins do? What would Tony Robbins do? Right? It could be anything like that. It could be someone in your social circle, someone at your gym, your personal trainer. It could be a friend that you look up to that's really healthy. I've got a couple of those in my world that I think, oh, if that friend was here right now, what would they be doing? Right? I don't want to be seen as not doing that in this particular moment. That's the tool that works. What would a healthy person do? What would that person do? Here we go. Let's go. Jumping into action. Here we go. And then once you're moving, once, once the wheels are turning and you're actually moving, whether it's fitness or whether it's putting the chocolate down or whether it's calling the friend, you've begun. The process has begun and we're developing new systems in the brain and you're showing up for yourself. And guess what? Your identity is having confirmation. Your new identity is being built and you're confirming to yourself that what would a healthy person do is what you're doing, which means you are a healthy person. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend, spread it around the world, and yeah, you know the deal. I'll see you on the next one. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed this episode or learned anything at all, the gift of your five-star rating would be incredibly helpful. And what's even more powerful is if you write a review. You can do it below each episode on Spotify every time an episode comes out. And inside Apple Podcast, simply find the main page of this show with all the episodes on it, scroll to the bottom, hit write a review, share your amazing feedback, and then hit send. It helps this show grow tremendously and allows me to successfully invite bigger and more famous guests each time we do the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you for helping us climb the charts, climb the algorithm and help more people. Oh, and by the way, I have a short disclaimer as well. I just wanted to quickly remind you that the information provided on this podcast is for general informational purposes only. While we strive to bring you accurate and up-to-date content, it's important to note that a lot of this is mixed with opinions, stories, and ideas not supported by mainstream science or medicine. Any advice or suggestions should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult a healthcare provider before making any decisions about the health and wellness of you and your family. Remember too that what works for one person may not work for another. And just as we promote on the show, each person is responsible for their own health decisions. Thank you for tuning in to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. And now, the next episode. Here it is. Here it is.